Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. That's in the New Testament. It's nicely tucked away right between Philippians and uh, Thessalonians. Colossians chapter 3. What I want to talk to you about this morning for just a few minutes. I'm not going to keep you long. Uh, I know you're just dying to get out there in that rain. Do you have resurrection life? Do you? Have resurrection life. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, Jesus Christ in the song that I just sang gave His life that I might have life. He died so I could live. And by grace through faith, I have received Him as my Lord and my Savior. That means I surrendered. I just raised the white flag. I turned away from sin. I turned away from self. I turned away from the world. And I surrendered every inch, every ounce, every fiber of my being to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm telling you, you can believe in Jesus, believe in the Bible, believe in heaven, believe in hell, and you can die and go to hell uh, without Christ, even though you believe in Him, even though you believe the Word of God, and you study it, you go to church, you drop your dollar in the plate, all those things are wonderful things, but they're not things that will change your destiny from hell to heaven. The only thing that changes your destiny from hell to heaven is when by grace, through Faith, not belief. Faith is believing something to the point that you surrender to it. There's a lot of people who have a head nod to the facts. They believe in Jesus, but they've never really surrendered their lives to the Lordship of Christ and turned over control of their lives to Christ. God, I'm yours. Bought and paid for with a price. You shed your blood. You died. You gave up heaven. You put on flesh. You became a man. You went to the cross. You shed your blood. You died for me. Now I give you me. You purchased me with your blood. Now I'm yours, bought and paid for, with a price more precious than silver and gold. And if you purchased me, then you ought to get what you paid for. Amen? Uh, Now there's some people, I believe, I I don't know. Do you think he, he bought everybody? you think he paid for everybody? If so, then he's certainly not getting what he paid for. But I believe that he purchased me. And if he purchased me, then I'm going to give him what he paid for. I'm going to give him my life. Uh, Every inch, every ounce, every fiber of my being. And that's the only way that we can really genuinely, earnestly know. Hereby do we know that we know Him. Hereby do we know that we have resurrection life. Hereby do we know that we pass from death unto life. If we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him. He that saith, I love Him. And keepeth not His commandments is a liar. And the truth's not in Him. Now those are powerful words. Those are uh, kind of sharp words. They cut. They bite. But my friend, listen, that's what they were designed to do. That's what they were intended to do. Until we feel the cut of sin, until we feel the burden and the yoke, the bondage, the death of sin, then we'll never have a desire for forgiveness, for life, for light. We've got to realize who we are, that we're living separated from God. We've got to realize that we need a Savior before we'll surrender our hearts and our lives to Him. So how do I know that I have resurrection life? Well, in I'm sorry, in Thessalonians, Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 1 and we're going to read through verse 10. Then we'll come back, slowly go through some of these. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ... 
Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things beneath, or not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify. Now that means to put to death, to murder, to kill. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But oh, but now ye also put off all of these, put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Let's, let's pray again. Father, we love you. God, we realize that we only love you because you first loved us. Lord, you, you reached into our heart. You convicted us of sin. You helped us to see our need, God, for life because we were dead. We couldn't see it. We couldn't feel it until you regenerated, until you woke us up. God, then you drew us to yourself with cords of love. And God, we surrendered our hearts and our lives. And you came literally to live on the inside of us. All things passed away. All things became new. God, we fell head over heels madly, passionately in love. Not with a church, not with a religion, not with a pastor. But God, we fell in love with a Savior. We fell in love with you. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done in, in defeating death and gaining the victory over sin in our lives. Help us, God, to live that life in victory. God, that we might be pleasing to you and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> We're going back to verse 1. I want you to look at three different points here that we can tell we have resurrection life. First of all, we have to look for vital signs. I mean, anything living has vital signs. It's kind of like uh, a heartbeat, you know, and, and the chest rising and falling. And uh, somebody told me this morning, I believe it was Big Dave, was telling me somebody in Faraday had, had uh, uh, pronounced somebody dead, and yet they could still watch his chest going up and down. Well, if he's sucking in air and blowing it out, guess what? He ain't dead. That's right. Well, you can tell when somebody is physically dead, and it's not just because they're real still, amen? They don't have a heartbeat. They don't have a pulse. They don't have uh, respiratory actions. They don't twist. They don't move. Uh, I talked about this morning how I preached uh, funerals for little bitty babies that their coffin wasn't any longer than this, and older men up in their 90s and everywhere in between. I've never seen a dead person twitch. I've never seen a dead person come out of the coffin or out of the grave. But boy, I'll tell you what, Jesus did three days after being in there. Certainly, uh, uh, people have been resurrected from the dead just a few minutes after they died with the paddles and resuscitation, things like that. But my friend, listen, we're talking about three days dead. And God says that He brought Him out of the tomb. That's kind of hard to believe. Uh, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. Few there be that find it, but broad is the gate and wide is the road that leads to destruction. And many there are that go in there. There's a lot of people going to hell. Why? Because they don't believe in the resurrection. 
There's very few that are going to heaven. Why? Because believing that a man came out of the tomb three days after he was dead, that's hard. That's hard. But my friend, one of the, one of the vital signs that we're talking about is that we have put our faith and confidence and trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You look at verse 1 of chapter 3 again. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ. Now I'm telling you that that's not, that's not a real good translation. And I'm a King James guy. So uh, here I am, a King James guy, you know, grumbling about the translation of the King James Version. But I don't believe that if should be there. It should be translated since. The word in the Greek there should be sense, and it would read like this, Since ye then have been risen with Christ. Well, how was I risen with Christ? Well, I remember I was in a jail cell. <gasps> yeah, well, I was. And God showed up, and He reached in and He resuscitated me. He drew me to life because I was dead. I was separated from God. And that's what death is, is separation. When you die physically, the person on the inside of you separates from the person on the outside. The person looking out your eyeballs inside of you, that's really you. That soul, that spirit. And then this body, that's just a vehicle that we're riding around in. When those two things separate, that's called death. Oh, I was physically alive. Soulishly active, my mind, will, and emotions, that's the soul. They were intact. They weren't functioning real well, but they were functioning. So I was physically alive, soulishly active, but I was spiritually dead. I was separated from God. And that's what separation is. Sin has killed every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been born on the planet. That separates us from God. But by grace through faith in what Christ has done, believing in the death, burial, and resurrection, that He died for me. He came to live on the inside of me and breathed a new breath of life into me. And it says, if that is true, here's how you can tell. It says, since you then be risen with Christ, then you will seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So if by grace through faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God has come to take up residence on the inside of me, all things genuinely, truly are passed away. All things are new and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Guess what? There's going to be a difference in the way I live my life. I see a lot of people fanning out there. Are y'all hot? Yeah? Well, listen, I'm a, I'm a prison preacher. I can take a break and go turn the air on. I'll do it. I ain't scared. <clears throat> We're going to... Huh? I'll, I'll, make, I'll crank it up. Now, we'll, uh, we'll get you some air flowing back there. I know on these hot, muggy days, it's kind of hard to sit in a church when it's humid and hot. That's not good. But I, I do believe this. That if I have put my faith and trust in Christ, things in my life are going to be different. I'm going to start chasing after and living a life that I used to not live. Which is a life of holiness. A life of godliness. A life of godlikeness. A life that is pleasing to God. Now if I'm still dead and I just have a profession of faith, but not a possession of the Holy Spirit. And believe me, there are a lot of people out there who are going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. They think in their mind that they're okay with God because they believe in God. But my friend, belief will leave you right where it found you, lost. Lost without God, without Christ. 
But if you have it from here to here, you see, it's not just believing in your mind, but it's having faith down in your heart and surrendering. You won't miss it by about 18 inches if you have it in here because that changes the way you act, the way you live. And you will seek those things which are above. Now, another vital sign is the fact that Christ now lives not only in me, but through me. That for I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me. Christ died for me, I live for Him. He comes to live His life in me. And, and it's kind of like, well, Lord, you had a body on this earth. You went to the cross, you shed your blood, you died. Your body ascended back to heaven. Now you don't have a body on this earth. Well, no, you don't have a body. You have many bodies. You've come to live on the inside of me. And you do your bidding in this world. You need some hands, here's a set. You need some eyes, you need some ears, you need a mouth, you need a tongue, you need some feet. You got them. I'm your boy. Uh, you don't have to stick a stick of dynamite under my lazy boy to get me out of the house to go live my life for Christ and for God to be able to use me for His glory and His honor. It's not just one day or two days a year or, or one day or two days a week, but it's every day, every minute, every hour. We live our lives in a way that brings glory and honor to God. We should set our affections on Him every day of our lives. Well, there should be some vital signs in our life that since Christ has raised us from the dead, now we focus on those things which are above where Christ sitteth and not on the things on the earth. For ye are dead. Boy, I remember a time when I was dead to God. What does it say in Romans uh, chapter 6 and verse 1? It says, what shall we say now? Shall we continue in sin that Christ that grace may abound? God forbid. For how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now that's what this is saying. See, I'm dead to sin. I remember when I was dead to God and alive to sin. But now by grace through faith and surrendering my heart and life, Him coming to live on the inside of me, now I'm dead to sin and alive to God. Do you understand? Everything in my life has changed, transformed. I didn't do it. God did it by coming to live on the inside of me. And it's not like He's in there. He's really the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of Christ is living on the inside of me. All things have passed away. All things are new. Now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. I'm no longer the same old boy that was in the jail cell 30 years ago when God showed up. Now listen, when He, when he reached into my heart, saved my soul in that jail cell 30 years ago, I came out and, and I wasn't transformed miraculously overnight into a saint. Well, I was a saint, but I was still a sinner. Amen? All, all saints are sinners. Not all sinners are saints. But boy, I came out of that jail cell and I still had a lot of the old life just like when I was born the first time from my mother's womb, I came out of the old life with a lot of that old world stuck to me. And it took the Holy Spirit a little while to conform me to the image of Christ. To start cleaning me up and changing me. But my friend, we cannot say that five years, ten years, fifteen years down the road that we're still waddling around like Lazarus in our grave clothes with the old life stuck to us, still living in sin. No, that's not newness of life with the old life stuck. That's death. Do you understand the difference? That the Holy Spirit of God is good about His job. 
He takes care of his business. When he conforms us to the image of Christ, he does not take all of our life to get away most of it. Certainly, sanctification is a lifelong ordeal. It takes us a long time. As a matter of fact, we never complete the job of being conformed to the image of Christ while we're in this world. My friend, when Christ the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of us, old things pass away. That means that old garbage that we used to live in dries up. It dries up. It, it, it goes away. We cannot continue living in sin. Well, not only those vital signs, but we also see resurrection life focuses on those things above. See, we, we take our focus off of the things on earth. We have a different mindset. Not only a different outward. I mean, the only way that I'm going to change physically, outwardly, and the activities that I partake in is because I have had a change of mind. You know, I've, I've often said this, you're not what you think you are, you are what you think. As a man thinketh, the Bible puts it this way, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. For out of the heart proceed the issues of life, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. In other words, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. Now what is it that's in the heart? The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. And when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us, old things pass away. Why do they pass away? Because God has changed our hearts. The only way that we're going to change our activities is to have a change of mind. The only way that we're going to have a change of mind about sin, say, I don't want sin. I don't like that anymore. I, I don't want to live in that lifestyle any longer. Well, to have my mind say that, it's got to really come from our heart. Oh, my mind, listen, a mouth, a tongue will say anything. They'll lie to you. Especially our own. Well, other people's lie to us too, but we'll believe our own when, when we won't believe anybody else's. But we'll tell ourselves that we're okay, that we love God and we're going to heaven. All the time, we're living like hell, living in sin, living in the world. My friend, the only way that we can know that we have resurrection life is that we have been resurrected. All things. You see, that's what the picture of baptism is. You see, John the Baptist baptizing Jesus Christ. And that is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's also a picture of my death, burial, and resurrection. That I'm dead to the old life. And that I'm raised up in newness, the resurrected life. To bring glory and honor to God. That all things have passed away. Well, that focuses on things above. Verse 1 again says... Seek. Since you then be risen with Christ, seek. Do you understand that that's the present tense imperative verb and it strongly implies a continual, habitual, constant seeking. It's not something that you just do on Sunday. It's not just something that you do on Wednesday. It's something that we do constantly in our lives. Why? Because we love Him. Do you love Him? I mean, do you really really love Him? You see, if you really love Him, then you're going to seek Him. You're going to strive. They came to the tomb seeking Christ. They didn't realize, I understand, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They thought He was still going to be dead, but at least they were there. They were seeking Him. My friend, if the Holy Spirit of God's living on the inside of us, then we're going to be seeking Him with every inch, every ounce, every fiber of our being. It also tells us not only to seek Him, but to set our affections on things above. Where, again, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. Where, what is it that you're in love with? Do you love the things of the flesh? Do you love the things of this world? Do you love sin? 
I mean, there was a time I lied. I did. I loved sin. Uh, there, there's no sense in denying it or lie, lying about it. Uh, I'm not going to be like some preachers behind a pulpit and say, oh, sin's not fun. Yes, it is. It is, and it's addictive. Amen? And, and it'll take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. But I, I'm telling you, sin is fun. It's pleasing to the flesh, to the old nature. But when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live on the inside, that breaks that bondage of death and sin. And now sin no longer has dominion over me. And the things that I used to love and think was, was pleasurable and fun, those things are like ashes in my mouth now. I can climb the fence and get out in the world and do the things I used to do. But when I stumble and falter in that sin, now, boy, it breaks my heart. It does. It's like God reaches into my chest and grabs my heart and squeezes them like a handful of grapes until all the juice is just running down His elbow. And I'm broken because of sin. I hate sin. And I hate mine more than I hate yours. I hate mine more than I hate anybody else's. I hate sin. Sin crucified Christ. Do you understand? Sin is a killer. It kills everything that it comes into contact with. It'll kill your home. It'll kill your family. It'll kill your freedom. There, there's guys out on, on Highway 15, 500 of them, of them out there that are locked up because of sin. It destroys marriages. It destroys businesses. It destroys everything that it comes into contact with. We who go by the name of Christ should hate sin with a holy, holy hatred. But also... We've got to put away those practices that characterized our previous spiritual condition. You see, I love church and the Word of God and the people of God and the things of God. I hate sin and the world and this godless system. See, that's what the world means. The cross, Christ, has three enemies. Christianity has three enemies. You know what they are. Uh, we, we think of the devil. Well, he's number one. Diabolical demon. You know, he's the one that... No, listen, I'll tell you, the worst enemy you have is the flesh. The old nature living on the inside of you. The second worst enemy that you have is the world. This godless system. I ain't talking about the created. Listen, this was created for our pleasure. The dirt, the mountains, the lakes, the streams, beautiful. We ought to enjoy those things. But when I say this world, I'm talking about the godless system that hates Christ and Christianity, wants to take prayer out of school, wants to take the Bible out of school, wants to take the Ten Commandments off of our government buildings, wants to, wants to destroy everything in our nation that has anything to do with Christ. Yeah, I'm talking about Hollywood. I'm talking about uh, the homosexual crowd. I, I, I'm talking about uh, all of the things that stand against holiness in this world. We should come out from among them and be separate. Saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. I'll be unto you a God. You'll be unto me a people. But my friend, as long as we're blending together with the things of the flesh and the things of the world, this godless system to where the, the people that are in the world can't tell really whose side we're on. Are we a Christian? Are we not? Or are we just chameleons that blend in so well with whatever it is that's going, well, we can blend in with the Christian crowd on Sunday morning. We can blend in with the, with the rowdy crowd on Saturday night put our sunglasses on and come on into church Sunday morning so people don't see our bloodshot eyes. My friend, these things ought not so to be. We ought to stand out like a pig in a parachute to the world. 
that they ought to look at us and say, hmm, there's something different about that guy. I don't know what it is, but I want me some of it. I can tell there's a joy. I can tell there's a peace. I can tell there's something good that's going on in their life. And see, that's how people look at us and see Christ. They look at you and they see the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Nine flavors, one fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. And that fruit is the image of Christ. I look at you and I see love. See, I don't see you, I see Him. I look at you and I see joy, peace, long-suffering. I don't see you, I see Him. Those things are the image and the very likeness of Christ. Those are the things that we should be conforming our lives to fashioning ourselves after. Lie not. You look at verse 9 in chapter 3. It says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his, his deeds. Now, how is it that I'm lying? anybody well I call myself a Christian by the way the Bible says take not the name of the Lord thy God in vain you say oh well I never use God's name in vain I don't curse I don't use a, a two two worded name for God God you know and and uh, bla- see that's blasphemy that's what that is that that's not taking God's name in vain that's blasphemy taking God's name in vain means taking his name to yourself Without any meaning to it. I call myself a Christian. See, I've taken the name of God to myself, but I live like hell. I've taken His name in vain. It's not done any, it's not made a difference. It's not changed the way I live. And the Bible says, Take not the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for He shall not hold thee blameless. Just because we go by the name of Christ doesn't mean that God's going to hold us blameless when we stand before, oh, but I'm a Christian. Really, I couldn't tell it. I guess you was one of them chameleons. See, there are no chameleon Christians. Christians do indeed stand out like a pig in a parachute. They're different. They're different. You can look at them and tell there's something strange about that guy. There's something different about them. Now when this says that we should not lie one to another, I shouldn't tell you that I'm a Christian and you watch me, you follow me, you act like me, and you'll be acting like Christ. Christ lies. Christ steals. Christ cheats. Christ is not faithful. Christ does not keep His Word. All of those things are a way that we who call ourselves Christians and portray to the world what Christ is like. And we're lying to them about that. And they look at that and say, well, there's, there's no difference between Christians or there's no difference between Christ and what I'm doing now. Why do I need Him? My friend, I'm telling you that we should be different. That we should be faithful. We should love Him. And we should love others as Christ loved us. And we should live a life in front of them that makes no no way that they could confuse the message that we're giving them about who it is that Christ is in our life. You look at what it goes on to say. In verse 4 it says, When Christ who is our life. Wow, now that's a strange statement. I I thought Christ was just a part of my life. I I thought Christ was something that I incorporated into my life and that made me a Christian. You see, my name, I am Mark Richardson and my life is a life that I'm married to, to my 
sweetheart there, been married for 28 years, and we have three children and five uh, grandchildren, and, and uh, this is my life, you see? No, 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 no. And, and I No, Christ is my life, and I incorporate her into my life. I incorporate my children into my life. I incorporate my grandchildren into my life, which is Christ. Do you understand the difference? When we are bought and paid for with a price more precious than silver and gold, we are not owners of our own lives. We do not do what is pleasing to the flesh or pleasing to ourselves. We do what is pleasing to our Master. What is pleasing to He who owns us. He is our life. And we incorporate everything else into it. Well, here's the secret. The secret of having resurrection life and displaying it is in verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> it says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now I want to draw you a picture here. This is a jacket. This is not who I am. This is what I'm wearing. The clothes do not make the man. And you see, I can get tired of this suit. And I can take it off purposefully. I can make my mind up to pull this off and to fold it. And to lay it aside. And that's exactly what the Word of God is teaching us to do. To take the old life, to take the old person, to take the old sinful man that is in love with the flesh, in love with the world, in love with his life, and to take off the old man and to fold it up and to lay it aside. Do you understand that verb is saying that we have, by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, because we have faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, He's come to live on the inside of us. We now have power. To take off the old man. But my friend, you've got to make up your mind. You've got to make a decision. You're making one right here, right now. This very moment. As to whether I'm going to leave this building the same way that I came into it. Cold and hard. Dead. Separated from God. Living in sin. Just coming and, and being faithful to God. Uh, sporadically or whether I am going to lay aside my old life and I'm going to take up a new life and I'm going to deliberately start living a life that is pleasing to God. Because God is the one who gave me this life to live. And He gave it to me to live in a way that would please Him. So I'm to take off the old, to fold it up, to lay it aside. But I'm also not just to, just to go without new clothing. You see, you take off the sinful old flesh and you put on the holiness, the righteousness of Christ. How do I do that? You see, that's, that's walking in the Spirit. We've talked about this so many times. People tell me all the time, to, to walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. But how do I do that? Well, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, who for the glory of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but... but but lay down His life and live it. See, we look unto Jesus and we take a step. We look unto Jesus, we take another step. We look unto Jesus, a third and a reiterated step. That's a walk. Looking unto Jesus, walking in the Spirit. 
Well, how do I do that? Well, come to church. Read your Bible. Be faithful to the things that you know that God has called you to do. Study the Word of God. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. That you might live a life that is pleasing to God. My friend, it takes determination. If if it was easy, everybody would do it. But nobody wants to do it. Why? Well, because it's not easy. First of all, just to have the desire comes from God. To have the power and the ability to accomplish the desire is a gift from God. None of us will do it if God's not in it. But my friend, if you want it, it's yours. If you want it, you can have it. But it takes absolute surrender. We're not talking about a head knowledge. We're not talking about playing games with God. We're not talking about, you know, mere Christianity. Christianity, religion, will leave you right where it found you. Lost. But when you fall in love with a person, fall in love with Christ, give Him your heart, live for Him, it'll change not only your destiny in heaven, from hell to heaven, but it'll change your life here and now. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Not somewhere in the sweet apple pie in the sky, somewhere when I die, but no, I've come that you might have life here and now more abundantly. My friend, don't you want that life? Don't you want a life that brings glory and honor to God? Don't you want a life that when you leave this life, the people that are left behind don't have to worry about where you've gone? That they'll know. You'll leave behind a legacy that says, listen, don't worry about me. God knows. God knows. He's got me and I'm His. And you know I'm His because of the life I've lived. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You for Your love and for Your mercy. Lord, we know what Your Word says when in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech Thee, I beg You, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that You present Your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It's Your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of Your mind, that You may prove what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. God, help us. Help us to have that desire in our hearts to be pleasing to You. God, give us the ability, the power to accomplish it. And we'll give You the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.